The following podcast is a production of Hardly Awesome Studios in association with the network. Find us at BICBP-radio.com. Creepers, welcome to, of course, to your sultry ears, a brand new episode of That's Odd. That's Odd. I am one of your hosts. I am Johnny Towns, and I'm joined by the man himself, Mr. Christopher that's me that's him over there (laughs) and this is me over here and we're here to bring you a couple of odd tales some strangeness heading your way some mysteries that are a boot as they say in Canada (laughs) a boot perhaps I don't know I uh, I know many Canadians who are side note Oh, I've never met a Canadian I didn't like. And that's the truth. Uh, I've also never met an Australian person that I didn't like. So, uh, but I met is it many just Americans. It, is it because of the way they speak? It, that like, might all be you hear is this weird way of talking, and you're like, you know what? I like <laughs> yeah. that. You killed how many people? Ah, that's charming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, maybe I am uh, easily uh, charmed. That's probably <laughs> part of my one of my issues here. But anyway, we're bringing you some odd, strange tales. But before we get into yeah. that. I had I had I have to get something off my chest. Do it. As a lot of you may or may not know, uh, if you listen to our shows or follow us on the social media, I am a quote unquote an artist. I draw pictures. Uh, I like to say I'm a cartoonist more so than an artist, but that's just because I've always loved cartoons, and maybe that's just me. That and my your style. Is, your style you know, fits. My it. style is very cartoony, so uh, that's kind of what I say. But uh, when you have uh, an Instagram or any social media presence that is mainly your artwork focused, uh, which is what mine used to be. It, I will still to this day, as in recently, I got one of these get strange messages from, <laughs> from people who um, try to weasel their way <laughs> into getting free artwork from you. What? Yeah. Really? So, yes. This happens all the time. I got to hear how this goes. Now, What's the pitch? How does the pitch usually go? I'll actually will give it to you. I'll tell you this person's <laughs> pitch because it's on my uh, Instagram. Is it one of these people who jumps on your Instagram comments and goes, promote it on this? No, but I hate those oh, two. God, yeah, what, those this is like annoying. the new robot, right? That that yeah. I can't stand. Them. I just block every one of them. You know, see what I do? I always respond to them. <laughs> and I'm like, you found me. Why do I got to respond? Why do I got to do this? They're like, you can promote that on D's nuts. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you can. Oh, speaking of these nuts, <laughs> uh, I've gotten multiple requests, Messages, DMs. Yeah. Uh, about uh, some kind of a uh, uh, manscaping thing down there that they want me to promote. Oh, I've been getting those too. Oh, your content looks perfect for our smooth yeah. balls campaign. I'm like, yes. smooth balls campaign. <laughs> yes. Get out of here. Uh, yeah. Why do my balls matter to you? Get out of here. Yeah. Leave my balls alone. I, <laughs> I scream in the night. <laughs> All right, so. This episode of that side is brought to you by smooth balls. All right. So Chris also knows uh, 
because me and him do a lot of, a lot of projects together. Yes. That I am very weary when someone wants us to promote stuff for them. Yeah. And us not get anything in return, uh, especially if it's somebody we don't know or you know something like that. And that's because, and I'm sure if you're also an artist out there or you do something that you create and you sell yourself, I'm sure Carter even knows about this oh, yeah. being an Arthur himself. Oh yeah. Uh, that there are plenty of times where you will get burned uh, with somebody saying, "Hey, if you do this." You'll get, and here's, here's the big one, free publicity. Ooh. Exposure. Ooh. And then you go Exposure. and look at their page, and you go look at their page, and their social media is is, is like a fraction of what yours is. And mine isn't that large. So, And that's what she said, and here we go. <laughs> uh, so I'm saying that to say this. Recently, as in yesterday, I got this message from Instagram, and uh, I'm not going to blow up the spot of this, but I will say the gist of it is uh, this person's page uh, is just all different artwork from different artists uh, of uh, the show uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay. Okay. So, womp, womp, womp. Yeah. Exactly. And honestly, there's some pretty cool artwork on here. I think uh, Larry David's a, a really fun. He's got some really fun features that it would be fun to draw. So mm-hmm. drawing mm-hmm. him would be fun. So this person reaches out to me after following me. So at least I got a follow out of it, I guess. But uh, and they start out the conversation with this. This is their first words do, to me. Do it with whatever accent you think they speak in. Uh, oh man, oh man, that feels <laughs> like we're gonna get canceled right off the bat there, Chris. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Is> it, do, <laughs> do it with an Australian accent. Oh, that's even worse. There you go. Good day, mate. <laughs> Good day, mate. Any chance you are cub, your enthusiasm fan? And I responded with, uh, I haven't seen all of it, but I've seen some of it. And obviously I love comedy. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and they go, well, I might have an art project for you on the topic. <laughs> oh, what is it? I respond. Yeah. Because you're thinking, you know, I'll make some money on this. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm producing a fine. This is their response. I'm producing a, I'm reading this word for word. I'm quoting this person. I'm producing a fine art tribute to curb your enthusiasm celebrating its 21st birthday in October at the Bruce Laurie gallery in Los Angeles. Okay. Or it could be Louisiana. It just says LA. So uh, it's one <laughs> or the other. I don't honestly know where the Bruce Laurie gallery is. I'm I assumed LA, but it's I light alley. Like this little alley <laughs> in, in like Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, and all I responded with was, that sounds cool because I'm already wary of this. I kind of <laughs> feel like I know where this cool. is going. Good luck to you, sir. Good yeah, luck that on sounds your like that sounds like. Hey, can you do some art for this huh. that may or may not sell in this situation? But I'm not paying you for it. Yep, exactly. Is where that went, and basically that's what happened. And I told this person, "How did uh, we? How did we get there? Is it a long conversation? Because <laughs> I want to hear how uh, he tries to charm you." No, nah, he how just works his pitch. He literally just said. uh, uh, would you want to uh, do a piece for it? And I said, I responded with, uh, how much does it pay? <laughs> how much does it pay? I literally asked that. I've gotten to where I just ask. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he's like nothing, but it might sell at the show basically is what he said. And I'm very weary. Cause I went to his page and for a curb, your enthusiasm fan page that honestly does have a lot of cool art on it. He has a total of, uh, or he or she has a total of, 155 followers nice right so 
my big thing is uh, I'm pretty sure they're just wanting free art. I don't even know if there's an actually a show. But then I started thinking, Chris. <laughs> now I'm going through your followers because I want to see if I could find it. <laughs> uh, now I now I, now I'm wondering Stop though, Chris. Following you though. <laughs> he might have. He's like, screw uh, this guy. Yeah. Um, now I. Now I'm concerned. Now since I've turned them down, yeah. what if I find out later that this was true and that this show was huge? <laughs> oh my god! Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm on a catch twenty two. I don't have time to do it anyway because I'm pretty booked up currently. But yeah. Uh. Yeah. Too funny. Um. I had better luck on Instagram with an artist recently. Oh, you did. I just posted about this actually on my feed today. I just received a piece of original art in the mail, which um, when I looked at it in person, just floored me. Like I already, so I follow this artist on Twitter and I started following her on Instagram as well. Her name is Chantal Laura Handley, C-H-A-N-T-A-L. Laura Where's she from? Australia, mate. See, see already another uh, feather in the cap. Mate. Um, So I looked at, you know, I've been following her work on Twitter for a while. Just, compl- I mean, I f- I'm floored by her work. It's absolutely stunning. It is and gorgeous. She, f- she focuses a lot on portrait of horror uh, actors, actresses, characters, right? A lot of those are, are her focus. And a yeah. lot of it is pastel work. Um, and man, I just, like I said, I absolutely love her stuff. But there was one that struck me. She told us, she, she, I was about to be like, well, she told me, uh, she basically <laughs> tweeted that she was having a sale on her prints. So I went to her site and I was taking a look at the prints and I was like, all right, these are decent prices for prints. And I thought, you know what? Let's see how much it is for some originals. Yeah. And some of them were, I was like, yeah, I don't know that I could afford that. I'd love to. Uh, but some of them were pretty affordable and I couldn't believe it when I saw Pennywise. Uh, Tim yeah. Curry's Pennywise from Stephen King's It miniseries. Um, there's an, a gorgeous piece she did, and I remember loving it when I saw it on Twitter. And I was like, "Ooh, the original is available." Um, didn't even think twice. Purchase, boom, right away. Just bought yeah. it. Just got it in the mail yesterday, or no, today actually. Uh, opened it up, and dude, in person, it just kind. I I look at it and I think to myself, like, at some point, this was blank. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then sure, yeah. there's there's pencil work underneath for the guidance, but that's flat. That's not 2D. Yeah. I mean, that's 2D. That's not 3D. This thing looks like it looks like he's popping off the page at me. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's really, really stunning. And for those who don't know, pastel, this this is an art show right now. Uh pastel <laughs> is is really annoying to work with. It's very difficult. It's easy to smudge or smear. Uh heck, like what if you accidentally sneezed near it and it just blew away? You know, there's so many oh. things that could go wrong. Dude, uh, I opened it like, and she packaged it beautifully, you know, real with a lot of care, protecting it and everything. So when I'm opening it, like I'm opening this, like, like super careful. Yeah. I have no gloves. So I'm just like, Oh God. Oh God. Just hold the edges. Just hold the edges. <laughs> yeah. Don't let my fingers do anything stupid. Looked at it real quick, laid it down, took a picture, put it all right back in. And now it's all tucked away until I can get somebody to frame it. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. it's beautiful. Uh, what's her Instagram handle? Chris, uh, it is people? Chantal Laura Handley. All one word, all together. Um, you can follow if you don't go check out my Instagram as well. Um, what what is my Instagram? C Chavez thirteen. Yep. Uh, C Chavez thirteen. Sorry, C C Chavez thirteen. You can see I posted it there, and I also tagged her. So go follow her work. Uh, comment on her stuff, man. Show her some support because it is ridiculous. Yeah, she's quite 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 good all right 
Chris, what's up? I think it's time for us to get on with the show. What do you think? Sure. So welcome to our new art podcast. We're talking about pastel work today. We're, we're talking. It's all about the pastel. Uh, <laughs> no. Nah. We're not doing that. We, no, won't, no. we wouldn't do that. No. Uh, cancel that. Canceled. Canceled. We did. We, I was asked once to do, if I would do like a uh, a show just all about art. And while I uh, politely declined, um. I just don't see how you can do a full show on that and not get bored on audio form, right? Yeah, right. Because you want to see what you're yeah. talking about, really. That's It'd have to be a no. video podcast, yeah. Yeah, 100%. If it's video, it, it changes the game, man. Uh, side note, Trevor, who I do Retro Bliss with, he's got a two-year-old son who, and this is the truth, loves, and I do mean loves watching Bob Ross videos and trying to paint along with them, and he's two years old. So, okay. Other side note: uh, if listeners have the app Shutter, Shutter app, the horror movie app, there is a a um, an anthology show called Creep Show based on the movie, but it's a TV series, right? And they show two two stories in one episode, so it's typically about fifteen minutes each episode, each each story. Dude, I started season two, episode one, the other night. And one of their stories, I'm not kidding you. You know what the Evil Dead is, yeah? Yes. Yeah. The Necronomicon, the evil that possesses people and goes. Yeah, into- Bruce Campbell. Yeah. So it's about this in the 70s, I think. It's in the late 70s or 80s at, at this kind of like cable access TV station. And they come across the book and people there start getting possessed. And it just so happens that in the room next door is Bob Ross painting and filming a show it's a bob ross character with the hair dressed like like him talking like him even talking about smacking the devil out of the out of the brush and all this stuff and it's basically bob ross versus the evil dead dude that is it the is greatest thing i've ever heard insane i have to find a way for you to see it because i just feel like this is something you have to see i know you're not a horror fan but <laughs> it's just great. something you have to see yeah yeah that anyway, sounds amazing back on that's odd so that's odd is here and we're here to tell you a couple of odd true tales and mine goes back to the 17th century so we're going back in time uh, to a man named and i will butcher this first part sierra de la salle or mm-hmm. as i'm going to just call him la salle from here on out uh, obviously that is uh i believe he's french and uh, yeah that's french for the sale the sale that's right <laughs> I got Chris Farley vibes when you did that. That's for the Nino. <laughs> Remember that? You most certainly do. Now, he was a 17th century explorer and fur trader in North America. Uh, back when North America was kind of a bright, shiny new toy. Mm-hmm. And he did a lot of exploring, of course. In fact, one of the things he's really well known for is he canoed the lower Mississippi River to the Gulf of Mexico in 1682 which kind of led to France buying the Louisiana and all that, which would obviously later lend to us buying that and uh, stretching America across the Pacific Ocean. So can you imagine what that felt like to be in a canoe on this river? And then at one day, it just opens up and now you're in the Gulf, right? Like all of a yeah. sudden, here you are. Like, what the crap? That's going to be wild. Yeah. It's going to be wild. I love thinking about those old, old, old pioneer days, like the exploration days of the country yeah. where everything was just wild. You know what I mean? Like, in, yeah. in t- like, wow. And if you had diarrhea, you could die. Yes. Yes. Dysentery, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> yeah. You stub your toe, you're done. 
and now di- uh, now I use diarrhea as an excuse to get out of work sometimes. So. <laughs> and it still works. Yeah, because nobody's going to question that. That's a little tip, yeah. a little insider tip for all your young people. If you want a day off work, just call in and say, hey, I got diarrhea. They will not question No you. one wants to talk about that. No one wants yeah. to be like, oh, yeah, what's your temperature? Or, yeah. uh, you know, you could come in and work through that now because everyone knows what that is and no one wants yeah. to talk about it. And you may not even get made fun of uh, the next day, but you got a day off work. So who cares? <laughs> like, Except for LaSalle. He wasn't allowed to call off. He had to go straight to the Gulf. That's right. That's another way of saying you got to go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> Guys, I got to go straight to the Gulf. <laughs> <laughs> I got the diarrheas. <laughs> but one of the also the big things that he would do is he would go around uh, fur trading, like I said. And that was a big business back then during this time. I mean, a lot of uh, money in it for trading furs with uh, not only the new settlers around there, but of course with the people who were there before we got there. So all this was happening. And he did a lot of this around, Chris, your area of the Great Lakes and Buffalo. Ooh, Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo was a big deal for this right there. Not too far from Niagara Falls was a big deal. I could see that, dude. I could see with the wildlife out here, and you know the beavers, and 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 the yeah, would would minks, minks, right? Minks, is that what they're called? Minks. Yeah, you my NX. You got it. Sure. Minks. <laughs> Something the like minks. that. So yeah, uh, so he would go up and down the uh, Great Lakes and try to do some fur trading. Now, if you're not aware of the Great Lakes, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of them, but I do not know if you know how actually dangerous they are. Uh, they are not easy to deal with. Even today, uh, they're pretty treacherous. When you think about like the ocean, right? You think about storms that come up and just how dangerous it is and the water turning and giant waves and all that stuff. You don't typically think of the Great Lakes having that kind of bit weather, but it does. They have right. some intense weather on that lake. Yeah, it's it's pretty rocky. In fact, there are thousands of uh disasters that have mm-hmm. happened over those lakes so uh yeah it's it's not something that you need to take lightly it's a pretty you need to be very careful with it mm-hmm. and this is uh and that's even today with all of our new technology and our safety things that we do uh, it's still uh still treacherous so uh of course exploring these great lakes is a big challenge especially in uh you know the 1600s so this is a huge, huge deal. But to explore these lakes, he needed a ship, of course. And this is when he had the Lake Griffin built. That's, the That's name of his ship. French for the Griffin. That's French for the Griffin. Uh, there's many mysteries that concern the Griffin. For example, no one even knows how big it actually was in real life. Nobody knows its actual size. Oh, it's like a legendary boat. Like everybody can talk about it, but there was no actual plans on how it was built. Kind of like there's all kinds of records and written records about the boat that it, it really existed. We know that, uh, but it's like even in these historical records, one of them will say it was this big, and then another one would go and say it was a different size. Interesting. So yeah, we we don't really know, uh, but what we do know is for its time, no matter which of these sizes that it was, it was the biggest ship uh, to be on these lakes at this time. It was a large ship for this place. And LaSalle, of course, would use these lakes for fur trades, like I said. And they're, not only are these lakes treacherous, uh, there's you know choppy winds, there's rough waters. Uh, they're quite deep, too, by the way. The Great Lakes are not shallow things. They're really deep. Oh, yeah. 
I a mean, lot of the lakes up here are super deep. I think we talked about it once on one of our shows where they used to do submarine trainings. In, yeah. I think it was one of the Finger Lakes or something around here. Yeah, they're almost as deep as I was in high school when I wrote poetry. <laughs> and, <laughs> Emo Johnny. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, then storms would come up and, and squalls and all this kind of stuff that they would have to deal with. Uh, and in fact, I can't remember the name of it, and I may want to do a story on it later on one day for That's Odd, but uh, in American aviation history, one of the only uh, commercial flights that we never found that crashed happened over the Great Lakes because of a storm. So, mm. yeah, in the 50s. And also, side note, uh, I wrote this in pencil and I shouldn't have because it's hard to read. <laughs> I've gotten old and my eyes are not following me well around well. Uh, but they had a destination to reach, and that was Green Bay, Michigan. And they Green Bay, Michigan. Okay. Green is Bay, it was Michigan. it split by like is Green Bay like a Green Bay, Michigan and a Green Bay, Wisconsin? Are they close? I don't know. See, I was I was curious about this too. Mm. I'm not sure. I like do they like cheese there or cheese hats? I have no mm, idea. Maybe. Uh, so they get there and LaSalle decides that he needs to make some money off these furs they just got from Green Bay, Michigan. And he sends the Griffin off without him. He stays behind because he had to go do something else uh, back toward Niagara Falls with furs to sell to make money. Uh, And this, of course, is when the ship was never seen again. It just disappears off the face of the earth. Hmm. Uh, After about two months of it not showing up, LaSalle was like, yeah, something's (laughs) something's obviously wrong here. Uh, The ship was gone. But what happened to the Griffin? Uh, there's no evidence really to what actually happened to it. Nobody truly knows. Uh, but there's obviously theories. Uh, one of them, of course, is a violent storm came up that they were not prepared for. And that happened all the time. Yeah. It still happens today. Uh, and it sunk the ship. Another one was uh, they were dealing with a lot of different uh, people and such. And maybe some of them uh, stormed and took the ship over and, you know, and, and, and did whatever. Mutiny. Yeah. But LaSalle himself, and there's actually a, a, a paper you could find that he had to write to the insurance, I believe. And because uh, even back then, insurance was uh, sadly a thing. But LaSalle himself believed that the crew actually ran off with the cargo and sank the ship themselves. Like he thought that they just kind of took the stuff and ran off with it. Which that happened a lot too back in those days because the kind yeah. when you have that kind of cargo, you're talking about a lot of money. And typically the crew members on these ships are not making much money off of the cargo that they're they're right. and, and these were like you said, treacherous times. We're talking sixteen hundreds. We're not talking even modern, you know, nautical technology. So the the chances of death on the waters is, and in dangerous waters is even higher than normal, you know, than yeah. than what we're used to seeing. Uh and Dude, yeah, sink the ship, take this, sell it, make some money, and live live off it for the next few years. Yeah, and on top of that, like you, you know, this wasn't a time where you could just catch a flight and be home in no time. No, yeah, you're away from home for a long, long periods mm-hmm. of time and away from your families and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was not an easy life. For Come sure. back to find out the missus started another family. Yes, I'm sure that happened. Honestly, oh, yeah. oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, so, uh, but to this day, Chris, the Griffin is considered to be the holy grail 
of Great Lakes shipwrecks. I kind of mentioned before, but the Great Lakes is home to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of shipwrecks. Uh, you basically they're finding shipwrecks all the time. To this day, they're finding that's new crazy shipwrecks. to think about, right? Knowing the technology yeah. we have. Yeah, to this day, they're finding new shipwrecks. And in fact, to this day, there are people claiming that they found the Griffin. Uh, there have been quite a few claims, even within the past 10 years, uh, that said, hey, we found the Griffin, and they've all been proven false. I was going to say, if there's no record of what this thing was, like the actual size or anything, how do, would they know? What would be identifying? Um, I think, because uh, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of written records about the ship. They know uh, some of the stuff that was on it. They know even down to some people even know down to like what kind of uh, things were used to uh, put the ship together. Mm. And like, they'll know what, you know, so they'll see like, if this, if this has this one type of bolt, then it couldn't have been that type of thing. There's a notch here and it looks like that. They can say, okay, this is it. Yeah. Some people know their stuff, man. And even as, even as recently as this year, we're recording this in 2021, even as recently as this year, someone even claimed to have found the Griffin. So wow. it's it's still happening. Uh, the reason I even know about this show is there's a this show about the ship is because there's a show on Discovery Plus, which apparently I I work for them because all I do is talk about it. <laughs> but, well, we'll get that promo for for them. Maybe get some yeah. sponsorship. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but there's a show called Expedition Unknown. Oh, I love uh, that show. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. But he he covered that on a recent episode. I think it's either season seven or eight. Uh, but that really really popped to me. And also, Chris. I brought it up to you because uh, a lot of its story takes place in Buffalo. Uh, I think a lot of the ship was supposedly built there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, apparently Buffalo cares more about the fact that they're the home of Buffalo wings. So <laughs> <laughs> is that what was on the show? They were, they were talking they about talk, the Buffalo. <laughs> they did talk about the wings. Yeah. Of course you have to, right? Well, yeah, of course, dude, if you ever come out here, I'll have to take you to where they were born. Now that's not the best wings here in the city. People will always tell you it's never, it's not at the anchor bar. Anchor bar is where the wings were born, but if you want the best wings, you go to Duff's. So I'll take you to both places. <laughs> okay. And I'll compare. That's uh, <laughs> there you go. That's premium content right there. Um, you know, I was thinking about something you were saying. Oh, you were talking about the wrecks of the Great Lakes. Like, you're right. There's just thousands and thousands. Like, you could literally have years and years and years of content of a podcast that's strictly on all the different yeah. wrecks of the Great Lakes. I mean, heck, just there's honestly people whose jobs for the past decade plus has been locating and identifying wrecks in the Great Lakes. So how do you have that job? I, there's people who do, man. I it don't feels know. like that could be a cool job, like a fun job. It's a dangerous job, but it's it's because oh, you got it. True too. A lot of diving down in those waters and stuff, and you got to be on the waters to or, find these things. Or like that job is more like a desk job, and you think it's all this fun stuff out on the water and doing all yeah. this stuff, but they're like, no, this is your desk here. We need you to input this information here, and a, then <laughs> analyze the paperwork <laughs> there. Yeah, I want to be like. I want to get a job where like, Hey, uh, Johnny, what do you do for a living? Well, actually I'm part of a team that goes out and <laughs> we find these shipwrecks and we try to identify it's them. An extremely dangerous process. It's really dangerous. Uh, uh, People it's it's tough work. People have passed away and we're, we're bringing these stories to light. Oh my stuff. God. Well, well, what do you, what do you do, Johnny? Uh, you actually I, go and dive. You go out there. No, I do data entry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I read the numbers. <laughs> I aggregate the data and I make it look pretty on this chart. Yeah. They go diving and I work on spreadsheets. <laughs> oh, all right. So we're going to go from one disappearance to another. Oh man. By the way, Chris and I did not 
tell each other what our stories were before. No, so no, not at all. So yeah, uh, when you said that this this the thing was it vanished, I was like, ooh, okay, this works. Disappearance. Mine is the disappearance at the ugly tuna saluna. The ugly tuna saluna. There you go. The disappearance at the ugly tuna saluna. I already want to go here. <laughs> it's in uh, it's in Ohio. Have you been to Ohio? I have. Yes, I've been to Amish country in Ohio. Even. Hey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. A lot of Amish there. So this isn't about the Amish. This is about a young man by the name of Brian Schaefer. Brian Schaefer was born on February 25th, 1979 in Pickerington, Ohio to Randy and Renee Schaefer. He was the oldest of two boys and by all accounts had a pretty normal childhood. He graduated high school in 1997 and went on to attend Ohio State University where he finished with a degree in microbiology in 2003. In 2004, he began studying medicine at the OSU College of Medicine. While attending med school, Brian met fellow med student Alexis Wagner, and the two started dating almost immediately. For the next two years, the couple's relationship grew, and it got to the point that everyone knew and expected Brian to propose at any minute. They were certain he was going to do it in Miami during spring break when he and Alexis booked the trip for April 2006. Does that feel like hokey to do? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I always felt like if you're going to ask somebody to marry you, for me, it always felt private. Like, I always feel like, and not to listen, not to disparage any listeners who are into the big show about it, but for me, it always just kind of felt like, what if she said no, right? Yeah. Or what if she wants to say no and now she feels she has to because it's a big production and everyone's watching? That would be, that would be what I would be thinking. Like, I, if someone for whatever ungod known reason would want to marry me, uh, they, I would want them to know that it's 100% their choice and that they should not feel pressured in either way. Yeah. What they answer because, they, yeah. Cause if you're pressured to say yes, it's not a yes. Oof. Oh, I know. Right. And I yeah. never get that. Like I always see, you see movies or books or even in real life, people who are like begging somebody to marry them. Like, bro, yeah. if they are already saying no, why would you want to be with someone who doesn't want that? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. Um, anyway, okay. All the excitement and anticipation for this proposal was dashed away when in March of 2006, Brian's mother died of myelodysplasia. It's a type of bone marrow cancer. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, his mother's death was pretty hard on Brian, though he tried to put on like he was handling it well. He did his best to get back to normal routines and get into the mindset of getting away to Miami with Alexis. On March 31st, 2006, to celebrate the end of classes, Brian and his father, Randy, went out for an early steak dinner. He had plans to meet up with a friend afterwards and hit a few bars to let loose. After the last couple of months he'd had, he needed a guy's night out. Yeah, makes sense. So around 9 p.m., Brian met his friend Clint at the South Campus Gateway Complex in Columbus. So this comp this complex I was looking at it is kind of like one of those areas in in a college town where it's like two or three or four blocks of bars and restaurants and yeah. uh, you know two level places. Sometimes there's balconies where everybody's hanging out and drinking and seeing people walking up and down the street. So he meets his friend here um, at 9 p.m. at the, at the, um, their first stop is the bar called the Ugly Tuna Saluna. Their plan was to bar hop along the popular college hangout of bars and restaurants, doing at least one shot at each spot, which I mean, hard alcohol after, after two, three, four, you start to feel that. And depending on how many times you're stopping, 
Uh, this is nine o'clock, right? Yeah. Oof. It's going to be a rough night or around, next day, I should say. <laughs> around 10 p.m., Brian called uh, Alexis. She was in Toledo visiting her parents before their trip to Miami the following Monday. They spoke briefly, checking in with each other before he told her he loved her and he hung up. That was the last time Alexis would ever hear Brian's voice. After midnight, Brian and Clint were joined by Clint's friend Meredith at a bar north of the Ugly Tuna. Meredith offered to give the guys a lift back to the bar where they started the night for one last round. After arriving at the Ugly Tuna, the three headed through the crowd and ordered shots at the bar. Around 1.50 p.m., Brian separates from Clint and Meredith. Once he notices Brian isn't with them, Clint begins calling his phone only for it to ring until the voicemail picks up. It's, uh, is that 1.50 a.m. or p.m.? A.m. in the morning. Okay. All yeah. right. Making sure. Uh, when the lights come on at 2 a.m. and everyone makes their way outside, Brian is nowhere to be found. They assumed he went back to his apartment and passed out, so Clint and Meredith ended up going their separate ways. Over the next couple days that weekend, Brian's father and Brian's girlfriend attempt to get a hold of him, but their calls go unanswered. It wasn't until he missed his flight to Miami the following Monday that they knew something was wrong and he was reported missing. So now here comes the odd part. When the police began investigating, they immediately went to the Ugly Tuna to review security footage. And that wasn't the only place. Most of the bars and restaurants had cameras up and down the popular college strip because crime, fights, you know, you're going to have the cameras for that. Uh, The footage they reviewed showed Brian, Clint, and Meredith arrive at the Ugly Tuna at 1.15 a.m. The three use the escalator that leads up to the bar's main entrance. At 1.55 a.m., Brian is seen stepping out of the bar and into view of the security camera. He engages in a brief conversation with two college-aged young ladies before turning and re-entering the bar. Shortly after, the bar closes and the video shows the crowd making their way out. Investigators analyze the footage meticulously, but do not see Brian leave. Clinton Meredith are shown outside, looking around, waiting, making phone calls, and eventually leaving, but no Brian. The search for Brian intensifies over the next few weeks, fanning out from the area he was last seen. Police use dogs, check dumpsters, question residents, and they even got permission from the city to uh, investigate the sewer systems just in case somehow. He ended yeah, up something there. happened. Yeah, nothing. Uh, they searched his apartment, his car for any clues. Nothing. Everything looked in order. Nothing was missing aside from the things he had on him. Um, everyone, everything looked normal. Police asked his father, his friend Clint, uh, Clint's friend Meredith, and many of the people who saw him that night to take lie detector tests. And every single one of them cleared suspicion except Clint. Because Clint refused to take it. Well, see, here's the thing, too, though. Uh, and today they tell you to refuse to take it no yep. matter what. Because uh, they, they're not supposed to be able to use those in court. And they actually don't really tell if you're telling the truth or not. Uh, right. They're easily fooled. It's way more monitors how you're reacting to things. Yes. The police never commented on why the friend refused. However, Clint's attorney stated that it was due to his advice. So basically his attorney said, yeah, you're not going to do that. Unfortunately, this is one of those cases where answers just have not been found. Police received many tips over the years, but none ever led anywhere. 
Brian was a huge Pearl Jam fan and a photo of him um, and his tattoo. So do you remember that stick man tattoo that, that they had for their alive single? Yeah. So he yeah. had that tattoo on his arm. And so they would use this during, you know, the questioning and going out to see if anybody had seen this guy. Um, and it made, it had made its way to the band. The band had found out so that later that year during a performance in Cincinnati, Ohio, Eddie Vedder took a moment to acknowledge the case and ask anyone who knew anything to call a tip line. Tips came in, but nothing. There was nothing that they could do. Um, Though time continued to pass, his father never gave up searching. He would look high and low, gathering as many people as he could, questioning as many people as he could. He even turned to a psychic. The psychic told him that Brian was dead and that his body would be found near water. So his father, Randy, bought waders and would spend all his free time after that searching the shores of the Olentangy River. Then, in September 2008, tragedy struck again when his father, Randy, was killed by a large branch that fatally struck him while he was clearing debris in his yard from a heavy windstorm. Neighbors ended up finding his body the next morning. Since then, though, there has been nothing. No, they, the police have released a, an updated you know, picture of him. This is what it looks like 15 years later, 20, you know, however many years later. Um, they continue to question people. A lot of people have looked to Clint. Why? Why have you not wanted to talk about it? What are you afraid of? What are you hiding? And his attorney states, you know, the reason he told Clint not to take the, the polygraph test was because from information that he had, the detectives let, you know, let on that they believe Brian was still alive. So let's get into some theories. The first theory is foul play. There's a theory that maybe something happened inside the bar and he, because he was too drunk that he died and the establishment, somebody working there did what they could to hide it because they didn't want the bad publicity. Um, There's also the, the thought that he was drunk and leaving the place, maybe had gone out a back door where they said there was a back door uh, that you could leave. However, it led out into this area that was all under construction. And it was like, there was nowhere to go. Like you could just go there and then you'd be out in this big construction field. So there's, there's the thoughts that maybe he met with foul play there was buried somewhere. And then the, whatever construction happened since then, now it's covered it up. There was the theory that there was suicide, that the death of his mother the the pressures of med school, the pressures of you know, hey, you're everyone's expecting you now to propose to this woman that you've been dating. You're supposed to have this perfect life. Maybe maybe you don't have it all together. Maybe you have a lot of pressures going on, and so they really thought maybe suicide was a thing. Maybe he went somewhere and and, and killed himself. The problem with that is typically suicide turns up a body. Yeah. Um. Then there's the Jimmy Buffett theory. The Jimmy Buffett theory states that he disappeared on purpose. So the reason he booked a trip to Miami was because he loved that idea of getting away to the tropics. All of his friends knew that he was passionate about going to med school and becoming a, you know, a doctor. However, he would constantly say if he gave that all up, he wished he could give all that up. And just live a life like Jimmy Buffett. Just go out, live on the live on the beaches, play music, based, you know, like Jimmy Buffett, play music and just kind of yeah. live live a beach bum life. And he'd be 100, 100% happy to do that. Um, police didn't rule out the fact that, you know, he may have gone back into the bar and all he had to do was put on a cap so that you couldn't really see who he was now when he left and security cameras were capturing him, you know. He may have changed his clothes even to, to so, so you didn't know it. 
I don't know how he would have done that. It's not like he carried it with them. You know what I mean? I don't know where you'd get close and, and change into. And you would think somebody in the bar would have noticed that. Something, right? Yeah. Or something, because somebody would have brought something up if he was like, hey, can I borrow your shirt or, you know, something, right? So but then none of that came up. But the idea that he may have kind of just gone off and decided to disappear. He couldn't deal with the fact that his mom died. You know, we don't know what his, his relationship was with the rest of his family or how stressed he was with school or even the pressures of, of, you know, being expected to kind of step up and into this role of, you know, asking her to marry you and moving through this next part of your life. Maybe he wasn't yeah. ready, but it's uh, been this long <laughs> and nothing's still been found or seen. Yeah. I, I, I am familiar with this case. Oh, Okay. And I, th- and he was also close with his dad, which you can tell, you know, from this, from listening to what Chris said, and his dad obviously loved his son. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the things that, that's why a lot of people think that, that he has died because once the, uh, cause once you hear that you're somebody you're close to has passed away, like his dad, you would think you would have reached out or something and not, they yeah. never got anything. Well, there was some sick shit that happened because somebody, when the dad died, went onto the online obituary and said something about, yeah. I'm going to miss you. I love you, dad. And it was like, wait a second, you know, and signed it, Brian. Yeah. Uh, and and they, they proved that that was a hoax. It was, it was just somebody who was just messed up. Also, there was a, a sighting of a man in Tijuana, a homeless man in Tijuana that looked a lot like him. And they sent pictures of, of, of this man to FBI for facial recognition and all that stuff. And it proves to not be Brian. So it's crazy. You know, you think to yourself though, if he is dead, typically unless it's foul play and and intentionally buried and intentionally hidden typically if it's you know it's it's you're gonna find the body at some point and it didn't ha- it hasn't happened yet I, I i think this is the one also that i heard the theory was uh, obviously they've been drinking mm-hmm. and uh as we all know when you've been drinking you're uh not you're not in complete control of your body yeah. always and maybe he fell into a, a body of water or something and yeah just couldn't swim because he was too drunk and he yeah. drowned yeah so that's another theory that I'd, I'd heard about this but it's just really sad overall any all these cases are sad like this yeah where because i couldn't imagine having a loved one who just went missing because there's no closure to that until you find something yeah and, and i'll tell you sad. it is a scary thing there was one moment a few years ago um where I totally thought Aaron was going to be missing. Like it was a, it was a really, really scary moment. And I remember kind of being in the middle of Buffalo, just kind of like, what do I do? Like I was in the city by the police department, just going, what do I do? Like, I don't, there's no way, like I, there was no way of knowing what to do next. And it was, it was, it was, it was overwhelming. It's the, the, the idea of being that helpless is definitely an overwhelming feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, I couldn't even imagine, dude. I could not imagine the stuff that they go through and the day in, day out, just not wanting to lose hope and doing like, okay, what else can I do? Let me go buy waiters, right? Like, wow. Yeah, I can't even imagine dude. like the, the father, not everything he went through for sure. But yeah, such a sad, tragic story. It is sad, but it's also odd that, you know, it with all the security footage, everything they had, not one piece yeah. of any evidence to show him leaving the place. It's very strange. And also the reason why people keep hope is there are also stories of uh, of good endings to these. I mean, even just recently this week. I saw that. Uh, a, f- a father, I mean, a family found their son who had been abducted from them as a baby, like yeah. 20 plus years later. 24 years him. ago. Yeah. I saw and that. And they found him. Yeah. So uh, there's, I, I totally understand having hope. And, uh, and they do have, there has been those things where people have had 
um, disassociative fugues where all of a sudden they don't know who they are. And so maybe he ends up somewhere and for all he knows for this many years now, what we're going on almost the seven years, six years, seven years. No, hold on. What was that? 2006. So 16 years, right? Yeah. He could have a whole totally other life, family, friends, that only know him as as this guy that he it's who he thought he was and then one day he's going to wake up and it's all going to come back and then that's just me that blows me away when that happens dude that's scary too and it's also just tough because there are also stories of people who just want to get away yeah and start over and as an adult you have that right to do that and they can't do anything about it so right right yeah. it's true yeah so who but, knows uh, so there you go that's the the disappearance at the ugly tuna saluna what a great name for a tragedy place <laughs> yeah, it, it is a it is a crazy name i, I knew you'd like that yeah that name of the <laughs> It'd place give you is a chuckle yeah. uh but yeah so there you go i'm done now i'm i'm ready to head out yeah we're done uh thank you for joining us creepers you all are awesome uh, if you're so inclined please join our patreon where you get exclusive uh shows there Yes. From the History Creeps gang. Uh, everything from uh, our Chris and I's new show uh, where we uh, we try to tell ex- extraterrestrials about the planet Earth. And we do a great <laughs> job of it. Uh, so uh, just want to check that out. It's 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 cheap. Uh, you get exclusive uh, access to all that audio. And it's not and you won't hear, hear it anywhere else. Or you'll get to hear it first before it goes up. That type of stuff. So... Uh, well worth it i think and we appreciate all you who are already patrons you all are awesome but for christopher chavez i am johnny townsend and i invite you as we head out this clubhouse to of course stay hard <laughs>